Michael Yo's got his own show. Michael Yo's got his own show. If you're looking for a place to go, the only place to go is the Yo Show. The only place to go is the Yo Show. That was gold, man. How are we going to repeat that? <laughs> are, are we really recording now? See, this is what I got to do. Like, Brian, you know, I respect Jamie on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. And I know y'all have a good producer. Luis. But, Luis, yeah. but Brian, you know, this is only our third or fourth. Yeah. And you just saw we recorded like 20 minutes and you didn't record it. Gold. Yeah. It was. It was no one's ever going to hear it. No. You nah. know, it's probably the best 20 minutes of podcasting I've ever done in my life. And Brian yeah. just lost it. Top five. But yeah. Top five. Yeah. 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 You're from uh, Miami. Miami, Florida. Is that where we met? Born and raised. Yeah, I, I I met you. You were doing shows like uh, hot mess comedy. Yeah, and I was at the Fort Lauderdale Improv, and I believe Neary Signs like recommended me to be on your show. That's right. And you did not know me, and um, uh, what's uh, Michael Q? Like he didn't know me either. And and Orlando was there, right? I don't know if Orlando was there, but whoever was running the light. So I went up there, and I I'm like I come up like like that, but I'm gonna yeah bring my comedy up and there's gonna be jokes but it's a different tone you know it was me and michael q i remember yeah, it was that. michael q and i don't know who it wasn't you run light but somebody lit me like a minute in what <laughs> yeah because and i was like that can't be right i'm supposed to do 10 minutes and i go and and i go ah. and then and then i the jokes start coming and the hits whatever and then i saw a light later or whatever and i got off stage and I guess um, I guess whoever was running the light thought that was bombing or something and was like, trying to get me off. Well, like, that'd be awkward if it was just a minute in. We didn't run the lights. Who ran the light? I think it was the sound guy. But I think Neary said something to him like, hey, what, what are you doing? Or like, I think Neary oh. went over and said that and he goes, oh, I don't know. I thought like he wasn't doing well or something. <laughs> and Neary's like, yeah, this is what he does. Give him a minute. I'm like, yeah, because because there's a lot of high. There, I think someone whoever was on me before was real high energy. Ah, uh, I know. I'm not I'm not low energy, but I'm not high energy. And I know you got to kind of come here. Yeah. and then bring it back up. Yeah, you were you were I, getting the crowd on your level first. Yeah, I'm not gonna match them, so I'm just yeah. like, hey, hey, okay, and that's a so that was that was the first show. Yeah. How long How long have you been doing comedy so far? Um, when did you start? Uh, at two. End of 2004 was my first time I ever did a set. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. And and what got you into it? Uh, well, you know, I was always into comedy. I always like watched a lot of stand-up comedy, um, not illegally, but secretly. <laughs> like illegally. Secretly, I, I would go up to this beach house that was my fr mom's friends up a beach house in Central Florida, Melbourne, Wabasso Beach, and he owned a video store. And my mom and her friends would go out on the beach for like five hours, and it was about a quarter of a mile walk. And they thought I was watching cartoons. I'd take those tapes out and I'd put in like Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, uh, um, uh, Gary Shandling. Do you remember yeah. the first special you ever watched? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, the first one I ever watched was Jamming in New York, George Carlin. Wow, okay. And I was young, but I still got some of it. But some of it went over my head, but some of it I was getting. Then it was like Eddie Murphy, uh, Raw. Raw, oh, yeah. ridiculous. My dad, you know what's so funny about comedy? Like, he said so much stuff in those specials that you can't say today, and I don't think he should apologize. Sure. But my dad took me, as like eight, nine years old, took me to those specials to watch in the big screen, which yeah. is very yeah. crazy when you think about it today because you would get canceled if you came out with specials like that. And uh, our it parents, wouldn't even make it out on TV. It wouldn't so, even yeah, make yeah. it. And our parents were taking us to the movie theater yeah, to yeah. see it. It's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so I was really in the stand-up, never did it. Then I just, you know, I went to school, studied science, was a marine biologist. Then I... My grandpa. Like you, you graduate as a marine biologist, right? Yeah, I was a marine biologist. Yeah, I was uh, environmental biology was my 
Where'd you go to school? Degree, Ithaca College. Okay. And then, but I was a marine biologist by practice was my job when I got out. And how uh, boring was that? Or is it cool? It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Re- well, okay, describe what you do. Like when you got okay. hired, um, what'd Sorry. you do? So my first job was not cool. Well, my first job was I would take kids on field trips to the Everglades. Oh my god! Like yeah. junior high school kids to the Everglades, and uh-huh. I would be like, "Hey, uh, this is a meth lab. Let's learn about uh, <laughs> let's learn about the water cycle." And this is, mm. these are like kids on these are like kids on a field trip that are like you know just discovering their penises mm. <laughs> and, they, they, and they were like letting loose. And I was like, Hey, you want to find out what kind of bird this is? And everyone's like, screw you. We don't you know? Yeah. So that was my first, it wasn't a great job, but I was paying the bills. And then I start, I worked at a couple different places. And then I got a job with the County, Miami-Dade County environmental department. And that was a cool job. I did water quality. I did coral reef monitoring. I worked with manatee. How protection. dirty is the water really? In places? Uh, well, look, if you want to swim in a bay near a city, you can't beat Miami. It's not that bad. If don't go in Miami River, or do any of the tributaries leading into it. But Miami Bay itself, uh, or Biscayne Bay. Sorry, uh-huh. it's not even saying the correct. But Biscayne Bay itself, not terrible. There are sometimes sewage breaks and different pollutants that go in the water. But the thing about bays systems like that the the tides flush the water in and out and then they mix it with all the water in the ocean and then yeah it's diluted it's not that bad mm. <laughs> my, my parents used to bring me to this beach called galveston in houston mm-hmm. and it's just i call it dirty water it's just brown and i know it's mud yeah but it's disgusting it just looks it might have been bad though yeah but it's there, there's certain like i wouldn't swim in you know any of the bays near new york city or the hudson oh, bay no. because it's it, there's still a flushing action it's look the whole world's polluted yeah I mean, if you want 100%. the bottom line yeah, yeah the whole world's it's a little bit gross at yeah. this point it's not like but um anyways i was doing that job and then i my grandfather died i were scanning thousands of photos of his life he was one of these guys that did everything you know that you're just looking at his life like he lived life i made a list of things that i wanted to do before i got too old and regretted it stand-up comedy was at the top i went and did it okay up. what was the top though Stand-up comedy. It was the top First one. one. Okay, what's second? I think, like, make a T-shirt and sell it or something like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Which ties in the comedy, you yeah. know? Because uh, I had some, I was like, man, I have so many ideas for T-shirts. I think that was literally the second one. It, was, it dropped off after that. And then it was yeah. like, you know, write a haiku or something. It, okay. really, it really went downhill after that. How was, was it, how was your first time on stage? Uh, how was I? Yeah. The, how did I feel? No, how were you on stage? Did mm-hmm. it go well or did I don't it think it was great, but I it was a Miami Improv open mic, and oh they wanted you gosh. to invite 10 people, like a bringer bring show. show. Okay. I had 74 people come. Really? Yeah, because I'm from Miami. You know, all my friends wanted to come. And you still didn't do well? I did okay, but it okay. was I had 74 friends in the audience. It's like, man, then they were more kind of like, oh, yeah, get them and go get them, guy. Mm. And I was just like, I've never been on stage. I wasn't in, I never acted. I was never in a talent show. I never done anything. I never even held a microphone. So I didn't even know what I was doing, you know? And so. Do you remember your first joke? Or one of your first jokes? It was about my, there was a, I had a lot of jokes about cats. And one of them was about how I was going to try and figure out a way to tell my cats they were adopted. And, or I, or I just told them they were adopted and they've been acting up. Like now they've got their, all nine of their nipples pierced and smoking catnip. It wasn't a great joke. Okay. My first joke that worked was about being raised by my mom. Okay. As a single mom. And so it's a little bit different. Like she never taught me how to shave my face, but my legs are silky smooth. <laughs> okay. Pete's sitting down till I was 18. So that was like the first joke where I was kind of getting loud. And I was like, all right. And I kept that joke and built from there. But it was rough, you know, but I, I there was a couple comics. Um, Al Jackson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, was took me aside after my second open mic and just said, hey, you're funny. Like he saw something. Where he's like, you're funny. You should write with us. 
It's like him and Oni Perez, Neri, and uh, a couple other like groups, uh, a couple of people in um, in Miami. Like, uh, and that to me was cool because I had been to a lot of them mics. I'd seen them perform, and they were good. So I was like, okay, if these guys like me, if it was the guy that was really, Bombing. yeah, yeah, like, and just you know, not a good, yeah, I would have been. So I, I, I hooked up with them, and we started writing, started doing the road with them, and from there, and, and you know, it took years though. I wasn't good for. I didn't know what I was doing for the first year or two. I don't think many people do. It's, no. it's kind of like. You got to learn. I mean, it, yeah. what I love about comedy, what I love about being on stage is like you can't cheat stage time. Yeah. You know, somebody can say they've been doing it 15 years, but they may have five years of stage time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because most people start at three, then five, then eight, then 12, and they build from that. They mm -hmm. have to go in that order for these clubs. Yeah. But then you have certain people like they, my first time up, I did 15. And then because I was on Chelsea, it was a hot show. I was just going up all the time. Mm. You know what I mean? Because in Hollywood, it's all about names. Yeah, that benefit, yeah. That benefit. Yeah. You know, so you use your benefits, but you got to be funny. You got to do yeah. the work because I don't care if you're up for eight minutes. If you're bombing, you're bombing, and they don't care if you're a celebrity or not. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I'm not a celebrity, but I've seen celebrities try it. You were on television, eat, so yeah. And just eat shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I'll say this. Starting in South Florida, South Florida is not a hotbed of comedy by mm -hmm. any means. It's not a place where people are like, oh, man, that city's blowing up with comedy. I mean, it's not like an Austin or an Atlanta or, you know, Minneapolis or Port like all these cities, you know, that aren't New York or L.A. that they're like, this is a place you could do comedy. Um, but once you kind of get your feet underneath you there, there was three clubs at the time, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Improv. There was a bunch of other B.C. rooms in the state of Florida. Once the improv started using me to host and then feature and stuff, it was great because they use you a lot. And yeah. then the other thing is there's you become this big fish, small pond you get a lot of stage time. Cause once I started to get my feet on me, I was working at the improv, everybody's like, Hey, you want to be on my show? You want to be on my show? And I got a lot of stage time. So by the time I got out there and the rest of the country had seen me, I was, I was like seasoned to where it was like, yeah, I've been doing lots of sets. I've been doing a lot of work. You know, How, so. When did it click for you? Because I, I know about seven years in, it just clicked. It's like, Oh, I get like, because yeah. you're up there, you're making people laugh, but for some reason there's a disconnect. And it's like anything you do, automatically you just get it. Yeah. And it seems like the audience just gets what you're doing. Not yeah. that you can't have a bad night, but when does that click happen for you? I think it was like six to seven years for me. Yeah, it was about, that's what I was going to say, it was about five, maybe yeah. five, six years. But there was a, there was just one night and I was, I, there was a couple of nights, but it was like, I was doing all these shows at the Improv. And I would get really nervous still. And I'm like, oh, I got to, what if one of the owners is here or whatever? Yeah. And then when I was like, I just really said, I was like, eh, who cares? I really said, who cares? Like, it was like, I was you like, I, I've done this. These, And I was like looking at the crowd. Oh, there's old people. There's some women like trying to figure out. I'm like, this is just people, whatever. That, what, if I don't do well, this, that, what, you know? And I was kind of like just threw caution in the wind that way. And I remember doing that at that, at that moment and just feeling much better on stage and relaxed. And I've, I have that same mentality now where it's like, it's not, I don't care that I want the audience to get entertained. I was just kind of like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen. And once I started doing that, I was like, Oh, this is great. And I, I was, I was doing a weekend with uh opening for Bruce Bruce. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You opening for Bruce. How'd that go? It went good. That, yeah. This is the thing. So, um, I guess he requested a white MC. What he said. And well, if, you know what? If it people don't know who Bruce Bruce is, is his crowd is, I, I might have been the only white person in the yes. building. Yeah. And, and I would imagine Bruce Bruce would want that. So he knows no other person since he doesn't see your act. Yeah. 
kind of step over his material as well, even though he yeah. got hours and hours and sure. hours of material. You yeah, know, yeah. you're not going to talk about the same thing, obviously. No, 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 no. I mean, and so I remember when they booked me, I go, okay. And then I'm, and um, I was like, all right. So I was West Palm Improv and I was like, okay, let's go up there. And I just was like, well, this, let's, let's be self-deprecating. Let's, let's point out the elephant in the room, you know? So I like, literally wrote this joke on the way up to West Palm. I'll just be like, all right, hey, sorry, everybody. Like, I just apologized. <laughs> I, I, I said, it's, 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 it's West Palm. I think it was like West Palm zoning ordinance. You yeah. have to have at least one white person on the show. And, yeah, was, and then the crowd was like, all right, okay. Yeah. And then there's, there's literally guys with pimp cups in the front. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, so I was like, and, um, and it went well to the point that it was the week of the South Beach Comedy Festival too. And I remember I went down there to see friends and people that were on the show. And I saw Joel Batchkoff, who was, the, one of the owners of the club. And he goes, Hey, I heard you're doing good with Bruce Bruce. Like we thought you were just going to die. And I was like, thanks for the confidence. Yeah, why like, would you put me on that show? Joel. Yeah, yeah. I love Joel by the way. But that was also a moment where they were like, okay, like Forrest can do, you know? So, and then from there I really, and it, and thank God, because that's how I met all of the comics that helped me, including Jim Jeffries, but also Nick Griffin, who took me on the road. He was the first guy to take me on the road, you know, nationally. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and I met Jim, uh, Jim Jeffries there, uh, Bill Burr, all the people that have helped me a lot in, in my career and stuff. So, now, yeah. how long were you in comedy before you start working with Jim, where he's like, all right, you're, a while. The, you're my guy? Well, I, I had been doing comedy about six years, right when I started to figure out six years. And I... This is funny because Jim's one of my best friends now. But at the time, you know, comics are always like, man, who's who's getting on TV? Who's doing this? Al Jackson called me. He'd been doing warm up, a lot of warm up for some HBO shows, HBO specials. He calls me. He goes, yeah, I got to do warm up tonight for this HBO show, uh, HBO special. I go, who's? He goes, Jim Jeffries. I go, who the fuck's Jim Jeffries? <laughs> you know, and in your head immediately, you're like, why does he have a special? And Al's like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. He calls me in between the two tapings. He goes, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I go, yes, yeah, he's really, really good. And then randomly, two weeks later, I'm emceeing for Jim at the Miami Improv, Al's featuring. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then, then two weeks later, I'm uh, Fort Myers or Naples on another show with Jim. Then... Three weeks later, I'm on a show. I was on all these shows randomly. Was well, he booking you or were the clubs No, no, just no, you? just randomly put together. But by, wow. the, by the second, third week, we were like, oh, we, we had a lot in common. We liked each other's company. It was like fun. And then he just goes, hey, do you want to work Fort Lauderdale? Do you want to do this when I go back there, this improv? He goes, anytime I'm in the Southeast, I'll call you up. You can do this. this. He was just starting to do theaters. You can do this theater. Yeah. You can do this club. And then my friend told me, oh, he mentioned you on a, con on a podcast. You're like a Southeast United States guy. Whatever. Oh, I was like, cool. Tough. And then I went out to LA. I stayed at a side. And we just... We just became friends. We had a lot in common. We were like sensibilities. We like hanging out with each other, which is literally, they want you to be funny. But if you're going to go on the road with someone, 50, 60% of it is like, can I just hang out with you and you're not a dickhead? Like, yeah. that's a big part of it. You know? Also, it's knowing when to stay out of their way. Yeah. Knowing, yeah. like, <laughs> I've had friends that have gone out with comedians and got on that comedian's nerve because they try to talk to them all the time. Yeah. It's like, no, it's just... You got to give him space, bro. But I started comedy when I was older. I think that's part of it. You know what? And, I and, like, yeah. and I look back and I say this in all the podcasts, but I started this podcast because it's more I get to finally hang out with comics yeah. and get to know them because I miss that part. You know, I didn't start in my early 20s where I could hang out at the comedy store or seller all night long and mm -hmm. just hang out with comics. So this is my way of hanging out with comics and really getting to know them. But that's why I'm doing this podcast. But I feel that. You know, I go, man, I wish I would have started comedy earlier. But then I think I wasn't talking about, I didn't have shit going on in my life. And I love yeah. where I started because I started with real 
stuff that was going on in my, in my life, which I think makes you a deeper and better comic. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's like, I... How old know, did you start? Uh, 30... Oh, man, that, I'd have to do the math. 32? Yeah, see, I started around 34. Like yeah. 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 35. So, yeah, and I, I, I had all the life experiences, but it was also like you know how to act around people. Like yeah. You're an adult. I saw that pretty quick where I'd be like, why is this guy being a jackass right now? You know, just like, hey, hey, they're trying to, oh, hey, trying to be funny all the time. And, and it's like, just relax, dude. Just I hate out. the people that are yeah. always on, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. so annoying. Yeah. Well, did you have Mark Cohen on, on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I love Mark Cohen. I love Mark too. Mark Cohen is the best host in the business. He was on the first podcast because we do it from the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas. So um, He's so great. He does it right, though. He's always he on right. Does. Yeah. He's, he's always on, but yeah. he's always on right. You should write a pamphlet about it. Give it to other comics. He should. Yeah. He should. It's a brochure. So yeah. can we talk about why your dog is racist? <laughs> I mean, if you don't know, Forrest has a racist yeah. dog. He's right down here. Like, we have yeah. white people uh, that work at the comedy cellar here. Didn't bark at none of them. I walk in, and the dog loses his shit. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, why is that? He came out of the shadows to be. To be. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, look. he. Yeah. I've had him seven months. His name is Arnie, as in Arnold. And he was wandering the streets of Bakersfield for I don't know how long. Okay. So. You know, he's already got that against them. That's a strike. Okay. Yeah, it's not, Bakersfield, Bakersfield is, is not the nicest place. not known for its uh, progressiveness. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't look at the voting records, but I, I can guess how they voted. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I got him from there. And so he's used to white people. Is that what you're saying? Um, look, uh, he doesn't bark at Orlando. So, it's true. Uh, <laughs> Orlando is Dominican. He, he walks them and feeds them, though, sometimes. <laughs> so there's that. No, he, I, it's funny because I, he has been called, this is not the first time he's been called racist. I was, I was driving my car out all the windows down in LA. I came out, went under an overpass, got to a light. It was nighttime. Guy was walking in between the cars though, late at night, came from behind a car and Arnie just started barking at him. He was a black guy. Black guy. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so I rolled yeah. up the window because I don't know how to, con I'm training. So now him, so. you look like you, yeah. this guy's going to rob you. So you, you, you're yeah. like, oh, so, so you rolled up the window and locked the door yeah. when a black dude passed And he car. said he was racist. He said the same thing. He goes, your dog's racist. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. What am I, okay, let's say he is racist. What am I supposed to do? Bring him back to the pound? Euthanize yes. him? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we're too woke for a racist dog, Forrest. Come I, on now. <laughs> I bring him back. I'm like, they're like, why are you bringing him back? Uh <clears throat> Yeah, his stance on Black Lives Matter. Uh, <laughs> uh, he didn't want to put the uh, thing on his Instagram. Uh, no, well, here's the other thing. It's, okay, if we get to a place in society where we're, where we're worried about racist animals, yeah. that's a good place to be, I think. If we've gotten that far yes, where, I, where we're only working on animals and we've got, the, we've got the rest of it sorted out, all right. Let me tell you something. Hats there, off. There, <laughs> even if racism was ever solved, which it's not going to be, there's going to be classes. There's always going to be some type of system to divide us. You know, yeah. oh, you ride a Prius, I drive a big truck. Yeah. You know, like there's always going to be something. You drive a muscle car, I drive a SUV. Like they're going to, they do it on airplanes. Yeah, they they do they separate people on airplanes, which is fine. That's true because I but, can afford first class. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say, I've, I've, look, I've, I have no problem with it. Yeah, it's it's all kinds in first class. All, That's right. All the women, men. If you don't identify as a woman, a man, I've seen you up there. Black, you know? white, Asian, Hispanic. I've seen everybody in first class. I love, I love, uh, I fly Delta all the time. I love Comfort Plus because if you get enough miles with yeah. Delta, they always bump you up to first yeah. class. And I use a credit card. Michael Cox actually like was is all about delta and that's mine too yeah. delta yeah. so he knows all the tricks and explained it to me 
And then I just use that credit card for everything. Yeah. And I get upgraded all the time. So people, if you're listening to this podcast and you travel a lot, get the Delta credit card. It will change your life. It's amazing. It's an equalizer. It is. It yeah. is. I um. Oh, hey. Sorry, buddy. Um, my dog doesn't use any racist words, though, so that's okay. Yeah. yeah I can hear it in his bark, though. His bark was like, no, I don't want to say the word, but his bark was like, black, black. You know, like, like he was saying the N-word, uh, that you know, was, in his bark. He wasn't saying that word. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was aggressive, uh, too. It was like, N-word. I, I heard him. I was he saying N-word? He was saying <laughs> That's more progressive, I think. That is like, yeah, N-word is like, look, you know. Well, I don't want to say the real word, you know, because uh, I'm only half black. I can't fully say it yet. For well, you should, uh, if you think he's racist, you should meet Matt Damon's dog. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so so you know a lot of podcasts they they talk about crazy shit that's going on in the world uh this whole simone biles are you caught up with this mm, yeah. like people attacked her for mental health crazy and no, wrong word to use okay i just said crazy and say yeah it's just, crazy yeah but inappropriate but, but, but what my stance on this is and i just went off about it uh one day on the solo pod is that the same people that attack her they were saying when she first announced it oh she's She's not representing America, right? She's yeah. too weak. She's not strong. Well, she's too woke to to um, to compete. And those same people are the same people that when somebody shoots up a mall, mm-hmm. goes, oh, we need to pay more attention to mental health with the shooter. You know what I mean? Same people. Yeah, yeah. Same type of people. I don't have to say who they are, but same person that goes both ways. on. I, my thing is I hate hypocrisy. And that's the world we're living in. Just nothing but hypocrisy. The, okay, the w- mental health in this country, people talk about it the same way they talk about flossing. Mm. They, they're like, they're like, yeah, yeah, you do need to floss your teeth or you're going to lose them, whatever, but nobody fucking does it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They say they do it, and then they go to the dentist, and then it's like, you've been flossing? Like, nah, I've been doing it. Like, it's yeah. the same shit where it's just like, no one, everyone gives that lip service, you know? Like, oh, we got to pay more attention to it. And then nobody gives a shit. No one cares about the uh like uh, the, the people living on the street that are mentally ill that's like just look if you're just walking by skid row and looking at people that would have broken arms and legs and cancer it's the same difference you know but the simone biles thing to me is is really uh, unfortunate because i i can't take credit for this but it was a great example jason concepcion he's uh he's a uh, he's on twitter he has a podcast uh, nba podcast we had mm-hmm. him on our podcast he's got a bunch of stuff going on and he's um he tweeted out a thing, and I don't know if he if it was his credit either, but he said uh, someone was making the point like, man, you know, Michael Jordan would never have done this or something like that. Yeah, I saw And they that. go, he took off two years after his father got murdered to, like, get his shit together yeah. and play baseball. That wasn't about playing baseball. That was about his mental health because he couldn't do it. You know, he literally it was what he was doing. It's like, this is what my dad already always wanted. I'm not processing this right and stuff. And his team was at the peak. They had just won three titles. And they would have won two more back to back. And he left them hanging, if you want to say hanging out, which they were still fine with the rest, but they didn't win. And no one gave him shit at all. And it's like, and so there's also, there's also a gender thing there too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because with women, it's like, ah, you're soft. And it's like, she's soft. I mean, she's been. She's the greatest gymnast of all time. She's been sacrificing her body for the country since she's been able to walk. And that's another thing that gets me angry is these people that like, if it's on their side to attack America, it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm all about America. Uh, but if, if, if it goes against what I want, then I'll attack America. Let me tell you, I was at, you know, I live in Las Vegas now. So I was at this, um, 
I guess rec center and it's in our neighborhood and I live in basically we're building a house out here, but I live in like, I want to call it retirement community, but there are no kids there. Yeah. You know, like we're the youngest people there. You go around, it's like, it's God's waiting room basically. Right. And I'm listening to two people talk and this is, this just shows you the difference is two older white people. Well, it was an older white guy and it was like a guy that's probably 40. Right. And both white. And a guy was talking about 4th of July, and I'll, I'll never forget. He goes, yeah, I wore this American flag T-shirt, and I wore the hat uh, that represents the police. Isn't it a black flag or something like that? Yeah, it's that thin blue line thing. Thin blue yeah, line, yeah, yeah. With a, it's a black and white flag with, I think, a blue line. A yeah, blue line in it, yeah. right? So he goes, and so many people were mad at me. And the older white guy was like, and this is a very Republican area I live in, goes, well, that's un-American. They're mad at the flag and that's just disrespectful and i wanted to break up their little and then i walked yeah. out and then they shut up yeah, yeah. but i wanted to say people are not embarrassed or mad about the flag they're mad at the people that how they use it yeah. the people that storm the capital the people that attack other people but wrap themselves in the american it's also flag. not the flag by yeah. the way like, <laughs> yeah yeah but also yeah that, that from the things you've written that people you can't burn the flag or you desecrate it Anytime you make a bikini or a shirt, like that's technically but, that's but, a kind of t- yeah. But my thing is these people that stormed the Capitol and did awful things to America, they I like I love our country, I love our flag, but I don't like the way people use the flag. Yeah. You know, and I, that's what people get upset about. So usually when you see a guy rocking an American flag, you know, you're that type of person. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you'll if it benefits you to rock that American flag, you will. But I don't see y'all talking about the police officers that got killed, you know, during the Capitol riot. Another one just committed suicide. Yeah, another one. Yeah. I don't see y'all like going to their defense, you know, because yeah, yeah. it goes against your narrative. Shit, if Cuomo, if Cuomo got 11 women, he would have got promoted in the Trump uh, cabinet. He yeah, probably yeah. would have been secretary of state or something like that. You know, I, it's just I hate the hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. The, I just the flag from is, both sides. You see an American flag, it's usually they're going to have like, First of all, they're going to have those the truck nuts or something on there yeah, too. Yeah, it's going to be a big truck. Else. Yeah, it's fucking. It's a like, don't, like a the "Don't Tread on Me" thing, some bumper sticker that doesn't make sense about guns. It's the same, something else. Yeah, it's the same people that when I was in a hospital dying, I I turn on TV and they're saying it's a hoax, it's a hoax. Yeah, you know, like they all look the same. You know, it's like they. It looks like they all left Cracker Barrel at the same time. Literally, it's that audience. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's that Cracker Barrel, you know, type of audience. And I just, I just can't stand the hypocrisy in those people. Yeah. I can't stand it. It just makes me so upset. And everybody listening is getting mad about what I'm saying. Here's the thing about this. I'm on. I'm an independent. I talk shit about Democrats too when they do stupid shit. Like you Cuomo, Cuomo get him, yeah. Cuomo, get him out of here. Like it's, it's. I don't uh, need more proof. Yeah. If the AG found 11 women, get him out. Yeah. It, well, care. it's been going on for a while. Yeah. So I'm with you too. Um, I don't even know what I'm registered anymore. You know what I think? And for honestly, though, about speaking of, if we, not to get too political, I don't know where you want to go in the podcast. No, whatever. But, we go everywhere. You know what I think you should, that can make the country less divisive is when you have these primary elections. Yeah. They're like, if you're a registered Democrat, you can only vote for the Democrats. If you're a registered Republican, you can only vote for the Demo- uh, Democrats. They should allow you to vote for both parties in the primary. Mm. Because that what that would do is the Democrats would go into the primaries and they would try and elect a more moderate Republican and vice versa. The Republicans would go in and vote someone closer to the Republican side. And with the other votes they were going to get anyways, you'd probably get more moderate candidates that way. 
because this way it's just like extreme. They're like, well, we're I mean, going but, this way. Yeah. But, but no, see, see, but the media, to me, to me, the media wants everybody to believe that 3% of leftists and rightists that are extreme, that's the whole world. I know. You well, know what I mean? But it's not. That gets rid of this. Yeah. He gets rid of those people. Then you, you bring but it doesn't more get sad. rid of the news. They'll find these. Like, no matter what, Fox or CNN, CNN will put the craziest right person on talking crazy. Well, here's another thing. They're no longer allowed to be called the news. Okay, so there's fact no. checkers on the news. Yeah. You know when you get, like, Sunny Delight or some shitty juice? Yeah. It says make, it contains 10% juice? Yeah. That They shouldn't be allowed to be called the news anymore. They should be able to be called, like, uh, They should you know, come with an ingredient yeah. sticker at the end of the show, yeah. like, 10% fact, factual yeah, yeah. news. Yeah, 10% and, the news. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then it should be called, it should have to be called, like, lukewarm opinions or some yeah, shit that's what but it yeah. is yeah and then that way people wouldn't be like i saw it on the news they couldn't say that anymore what'd you see it on? i saw it on that opinion based show no, with, yeah. with 10 percent news well i mean yeah. it's surprising that the fcc let it go as news yeah you know they're not cracking down on it but it, there's no rules though that's why they, well they, ever know, since yeah. money got involved like big money in news yeah since like, a lot of time yeah once <laughs> i mean when when big bucks came to the news yeah that's when people don't want to hear news they want to hear their side it's like a joke. They want to hear the story, but elevate it. Yeah. To to whatever opinion they want. I, I I don't even watch it anymore. I can't do it. No, I, I just read all the time. Now. When I wrote on Jim's show, Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central, it was, mm -hmm. it was a news based show. That I, as soon as that show ended, I was like, they would give us research packets, like twenty six pages, kids in cages, I'm like, hey, go make that funny. We're like, okay, yeah, kids I'm sad right now. So uh, <laughs> it was depressing. What is, you know what? I've never been in a writer's room. What is the process of that? Like on the Jim Jeffrey show, you would come in Monday and start. Well, we would air Tuesday. So the weeks would start Wednesday and then Wednesday. Week would start Wednesday. So they would come in and give you hot topics and then you try to make comedy bits out of it. We those? would pitch them. So there was, you know, uh, there was a group of writers and there was head writer and then the showrunner and Jim. And so that Wednesday we would basically, we, it was a running, we'd have like a bunch of cards on board yeah. so of the topics we wanted to hit, field pieces we didn't want to do, interviews we might want to do. So we had like stuff that we had been generating, but we would be that week, okay, what do we want to talk about this week? Maybe thematically put the show together because we had shot the field pieces six, seven months before usually. Sometimes we'd shoot them closer to the time, but we'd be like, all right, we're doing this field piece, so let's maybe do this story or maybe we'll talk about this topic, you know, and we'd kind of pitch out and we'd see which ones had the most legs. And then sometimes something would happen, like, you know, if there was like like the um the I think it was the beginning of the second season was right after uh, the um the oh, the park the what the hell in Florida the shoot school shooting um, Parkland Parkland thank you yeah so we were like and then all the they were organizing all of the world, the nationwide marches and mm -hmm. Jim obviously was known a lot for the gun control yeah so we were like pivot we're gonna do this you know so we're gonna do that so um like so, do you remember the first bit or idea you brought to Jim and it made it on TV and it crushed or vice versa. It didn't work that well. Well, the first season I was in the digital department, just writing copy because okay. I hadn't written on anything yet. And so they weren't just going to make me a writer and they were like, go there, write stuff, try and be funny. And we'll see, and, you know, maybe we can get you into the writer's room. You know, if you get to a certain point, you know, if we see that you're worthy of being in there, basically. Yeah, of course, of and course. so I would sit in the back corner of the writer's room when I didn't have anything to do. And I would just sit there and not say anything. And a couple of times people would just be stuck and I would throw a couple jokes out and I got a couple jokes in, so that was good. But then what ended up happening is one of the executives on Comedy Central really liked me, liked my stand-up, liked what I wrote and whatever, and he's the one that kind of recommended me to be in there. Oh, which great. Was, which was cool because, you know, if Jim had done it, great, but then it feels yeah, like, so it yeah, feels like, like Jim, yeah. Yeah, but, but also Jim said, he goes, you, we can't just put you in the writer's room. So the first thing in that second season when I was writing that 
was a big, big hit for it was there. We did a thing on service animals and, and uh, oh my See there? God. Mikey Winfield just came in and he's barking at another I know, black it's guy. Just a person came Your in. Your dog and, is racist. <laughs> barked at me, barked at Mikey Winfield. I, See, this is what I'm talking. Your dog is legitimately racist. It's just now. a person coming in. It has nothing to do no, with No, your that. dog is fucking racist, dude. <laughs> Get that dog out of here. We, we, we're going to march. Me and Mikey, we're going to do a march against your dog. <laughs> Okay, Artie. Why are you already barking anyways? Um, it was a thing on service animals, and we ended up we ended up getting a camel registered the gym as a service animal, but oh not by God. one, by two different organizations, just to show the how, how ridiculous how, yeah. it is. And we brought the live camel in to the studio. He peed and shit everywhere and whatever. But it was it was it went really well. It did well online. And that was like one of my first I, I pitched a lot of other stuff and I gotten jokes in. But that was like the first big thing for me that got on there, and so was good. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts on service animals? Like, oh, this is stupid. I used to do a whole. Okay, okay. Yeah. so so you wouldn't take your dog on no, a plane? No, say no, okay, no. good. Because to be honest with you, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't like, and you probably do this, so no disrespect, but I don't like when people bring their animals to restaurants. And let me tell you why. Because if I sit by you, I gotta act like I like your dog. Yeah. Because most of the time, the dog comes up to me, so I gotta fake it. I'm like, oh. I don't want your dog around my food. And people that are dog lovers may hate me for saying that. Yeah. But I think, look, the worst place you can bring a dog is to a restaurant because it's hot outside. You're not feeding them. You're eating in front of them. Most of the time, people don't give them food. They just lay under the table. Yeah. So why make a dog miserable by bringing them to a restaurant? Yeah, I don't know if it bothers me as much as it bothers you, but I wouldn't yeah, bring, I wouldn't bring my dog to a restaurant. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and we had a dog. But I, I remember we had a French, uh, a Frenchie named Paul, God rest his soul. Yeah. But we would never take him to a restaurant because yeah. that was my thing. It's like I don't want to f make other people feel like they got to act like they like my dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I would. Besides having to work the racism out of them, I got to like. Yeah, you need to work the racism out of, the barking out of. It's just ridiculous. No, I don't mind the barking. If someone like comes in my house, I want them to like Eric coming at my yeah. house. I want to bark, but you know. But uh, no, I don't. The service. Well, it's kind of it's kind of reached ahead now, and airlines are not allowing you to have money Thank unless God. they're actual service animals, not emotional support. Because that's that. There's two different. Oh there's yeah. There's a service animal and there's For emotional blind support. People. The blind people, fine, but if you can't. Fly. Well, no, but service animals, it could be people that are disabled. Or disabled, yeah, yeah, or yeah, that's what I'm saying. But um, if you're like emotionally like, oh, I can't fly without this peacock, you know, it's like, come on now. Yeah, well, I, I looked, when we were doing this this piece, you look it up and you can see all the categories you could fit under emotional support. One of them was stressed out. Prom I swear, it was called, like... That's America. Who's not stressed out? I know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. That, that, I used to do a bit of it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm having a tough week at work. Don't worry. Uh, I got a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> He's still throwing shit around and stuff. You might want her a hat in your cubicle this week or something. But yeah. And then also it was like, it, it wasn't just cats and dogs. I mean, it wasn't just dogs. You know, then it became um, snakes. There was people that had service no. snakes. And I was like, is that the most ridiculous animal you could bring um, on at one time? Well, I'll tell you this. So when we, when we had the camel on our show, well, a camel's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We had him certified, certified to two different um, groups. And when I remember walking by the field department's office and they're like, yeah, he just like feels good when he walks around the neighborhood, like afterwards. And he likes to keep the camel with him and it just makes him like, it just comes and like, that's, they were literally like, okay. And so when we put that out on the show, people started sending us in their animals that after our show came out that they registered as service animals. This is the most ridiculous one ever. A guy that was a scientist that worked with leeches had a leech registered as a service leech. 
he sent us in the documentation. Like, like people like, sent people him just yeah. abuse it. Yeah, yeah. They abuse, like, but that's America. Anytime yeah. there's something, we we go overboard and abuse. That's why there's buffets and shit like yeah. that. Like we just get something and abuse it and abuse it. That would be an animal I would not want at eating next to me as a leech, though. That definitely. You know, just get get a little cup of blood for him. Just, don't, just, mind, like, don't mind him. He's just, just, like, just like sipping that. He's like drunk <laughs> off of blood, just like yeah. smoking a cigarette after he finishes. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I get anxiety. And then uh, when old Leechy's around, uh, it just goes away somehow. And, and uh, do you have a crazy um, story from Vegas? Like what, what's been the craziest time you ever had in Vegas? Oh, man. Um, I, There's a lot of them. But, um, that you can talk about then. Yeah, that's why I'm going through the catalog. The mental roller is like <laughs> going through that mental roller. I guess it was when I got tacos. Nothing happened there. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of tacos did you get for us? Um, I man, crazy stories and the 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 one when I opened for Jim the first time here, he took me and JJ White out out here to open for him, and he said you can only do like two three minutes up front, but we're gonna go to like Nobu and this and that. It's just like kind of a vacation yeah. for you. And we're like two or three minutes. He goes, it's because Guns and Ro- Roses is on after us. And there's a hard out, and I can only do X amount of times. So yeah. you got to do it. And I was like, all right, cool. And so we were like on the same stage with all of their equipment. I could see their set list. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then um, after that show, I did, a, I did a lot of drugs. And uh, I ate some mushrooms uh-huh. and some ecstasy and uh, went back to where our dressing room was. Couldn't go back in there because the dancers of Guns N' Roses had taken it over and they wouldn't <laughs> believe that it was our dressing room. I'm like, my stuff's in here, but I'm like, I'm mushroom. So I'm like, come on, I, I, I can't, I'm not in the least bit aggressive. I'm like, no, seriously. And they're like, we've been in this room every night. I'm like, but that's my, my wallet's over there. And just, anyways, I, we left there. We watched the Guns N' Roses concert. Somehow we, uh, we ended back because I was with Jim, ended back in Axl Rose's after party and Guess who's dancing there? All these dancers still. It's like, hey, good to see you again. But I was like so trashed. I just like slinked. I felt like just out of place. I was like really high. And I I slid out of there. And then I ended up at some other party, like in, uh, like, uh, I don't know how, in another building. And, and I, I, people I didn't really know. And then I just remember being on a balcony and the sun was rising. And they were like, uh, they're like, yeah, um, you guys ready to go? Uh, like, where are you guys going? They're like, church. I was like, oh. these people, I've been doing drugs with them for about three hours. I was like, you guys are going to church? Yeah, you want to go to church? I was like, not really, but I kind of want to see what this, what, like, what it's going to be like there with you guys. <laughs> so I went to church, was probably the craziest <laughs> thing I did in Vegas. On mushrooms, there was some ecstasy, some coke, a bunch of stuff with a bunch of <laughs> strippers and other people in the entertainment industry. <laughs> so... Believe it or not, going to church is probably the craziest thing. <laughs> I'm not religious at all either. I was like, holy cow, this is some deep shit here. And you just got past as a seller. You've been here a couple of times. How's it feel to be at the seller now? Like, awesome. A yeah. part of the group. Yeah, it's great. I um you know, it's just it's 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 a, a real honor to be here at the seller. I'm not just saying because like, we're on the stage. Even though I was looking over at this I, I never really looked at that guy at uh, the microphone. Is a woman? I would say it's a woman. I'm just, I'm all about women. So I'm saying it's a woman. Because, well, you know, guy. Jerry West is like the NBA logo. Yeah, it should be that, Michael Jordan. Let's be honest. Well, it know, shouldn't be Jerry We're talking West. about changes to Kobe, too. But I, that's got to be no, someone, right? No, Michael Jordan before Kobe. God rest his soul. But it's not even. Michael. They were talking about it when he died. I mean, Michael Jordan. No, I heard that. But know. it should be Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I, I, it's it's great to be here. I mean, the, the great thing for me, too, is obviously it, um, we're so, it's so close to L.A. where I live. 
but you come here and you do like 14 sets and seven yeah. days you can work out jokes you can do your, you know hone your timing and stuff especially after covid but um i just feel you know i just it's good it's good to brian, be here man brian do you know who this is see brian's been working at the comedy cellar for a while he doesn't even know who this yeah. is we got to find out we're gonna do some reason we're gonna find out who this is well they got one shoe and they uh yeah they only got one shoe. Yeah. Uh, they had to commission this one too, right? They were like, oh, oh, we got, they were like 50 years later, hey, we got another piece for you to do. Uh, <laughs> well, they have. Oh, so you, oh, so you just can't copy it. But they have oh. one at like the Village Underground there too, right? Isn't there one there? And so he's made like three. Oh, wow. Three or four, yeah. That's all he's done too. He's got, well, hey, we do you should want to ask say? him, uh, well, who is it? Is yeah. it a guy or a girl? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nah, I was looking at it and wondering, yeah, I thought it was probably some sort of inspiration. To My play. favorite thing to do on stage is, you know, I'm comfortable when I just start leaning against the sign. You know, I'll, I'll just lean against the sign. And that's when I'm in the zone. Yeah, or right I just, here. I lean right here. I yeah. did it last night. I was like right here. And then I'm like, do people think I'm being lazy? I don't no, know. because so I have to so like go forward. I think yeah. because they're so close, it does. I think sometimes in this room, if you move up too far, yeah. the lights lose you and they can't really see you. Yeah. I heard I, they I got think. the same guy to do the bricks here too. Mm. it's a dope club I, it's to me best club in las vegas the best con oh, yeah. what i love about this club is i perform all over you hardly ever are on the show in la it happens a lot where you just got a bunch of like headliners back to back but outside of la you really don't see a bunch of headliners like back to back to back mm. to back and pretty much everybody crushes here like i can't remember a time anybody's ever gone on and not done well you know, so the expectation yeah, yeah. is you're always if you're a comic and you're nervous about somebody crushing in front of you, cellar is not the place for you because it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It have every comic can bring it. Well, the good thing about it is the brand too, though, because yeah. people come to Vegas and there's a lot of comedy they can see, but they I think they see comedy cellar. Hey, remember we were in New York and we went to the comedy cellar and it was really good. So you get good crowds here, and then they yeah. made it with the low ceilings and kind of New York style too. So. I think you, and just talking to some people in the crowd, I, they've said that, you know, yeah. like, oh yeah, we always go to the one, we went to the one in New York. So I think that, you know, you get good crowds that way too. So now, uh, are you on tour right now? Where, where can people find out more about you? Um, I mean, you know, Forrest with two R's, Shaw, S-H-A-W is everything. Like all my social media, uh, my, my website, if you just put that in Google, you know, stuff starts coming up. Um, uh, I have a podcast that I co-host with Jim. Jeffrey. Yeah. It's called the, I don't know about that podcast. And it's a really fun podcast. We've done about 70 episodes now. And it's basically the concept is uh, we have an expert on that knows about a subject because, you know, now podcasts are filled with, we've done it too. We, yeah. we were It'll experts on stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. But we have an actual professor expert. or it doesn't even have to be a professor. Someone that knows about the subject. We've had like cheese, bees, Vietnam War, um, galaxies, you know, mosquitoes. Have you, had, have you had racist dogs yet? Somebody that specializes in that? No, nah, so Arnie's going to be on soon for that. Yeah, he yeah, should, yeah. He he's, should. He's a top expert on that. So. And then Jim does not know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's his dream job. He doesn't have to prepare for it. He lives two blocks from the studio, wanders in. He does not know what we're talking about. We reveal what he's talking about. And I say, tell me everything you know about this with questions. And, you know, he doesn't know a lot about it. And That's it great. It funny. And then we have the expert come in and say, here's the answer to the questions. And um, it's a really fun podcast. You'll actually learn something and laugh, and it's it's really fun, man. I so fucking love it. We did one on vaccines. We should put that one back out there. Yeah, no, you should. And you man, should throw it back this out. This was pre the vaccine of this one, and all the shit she got under there, this doctor of 30 years, this is all she's studied, and, you know, John Hopkins University, and they're like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. Okay. 
Oh yeah. Oh, people <laughs> love people love to Google. If, yeah. if, if, I'll hear some podcasts and they'll say something they think is true, but they'll Google until they find an article that support. Because here's the thing: you can find either side on Google. If you Google long enough, you will find somebody. You will find if you say the sky is not blue, yeah. it's purple. If you Google long enough, they will show you a purple sky. And I'll give you an example. We had Jay Leno on as an expert on cars, and we were worried he didn't know enough about cars, even though he knows a everything. Lot of, everything, yeah. And we had looked at all these questions and looked up the answers. Kelly Zabilski, who's other co yep. that you know, we had looked it up, and we said something about the intermittent windshield wiper. When was it invented? And he said a year, and we're like, ah, oh, sorry, Jay. Actually, it was blah, 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 whatever year. And he goes, are you talking about when they put it on cars or when it was invented? And we're like, I don't know. Because <laughs> we were talking about when it was invented, the yeah. eyes, and then we Googled that. And we're like, oh, you're right. Yeah. And that's the whole point. That was a great point to be made. It was like, you can't Google it and see an answer that you think, you know, 100%. this is an intermittent windshield wiper. That didn't even matter. Yeah. So now we're talking about stuff that matters that people are Googling. It's like, just, just leave it to experts. Take their yeah. advice. Oh, yeah. And that's the or hypocrisy their, again. Yeah. Go, if, if the scientists agree with you, here's the biggest thing that blows me away is when Trump came out and said, if I win, it's legit. If yeah. I lose, it's Fake. Yeah. Just independent people believe that. That's yeah. what's so like. There are people at that point where they believe that. Yeah. yeah. That just blows me away. That's anyway, it. anyway, Forrest, I got to run. Uh, guys, thanks for watching the Yo Show. Uh, this one's at the Comedy Cellar. Next week, we're gonna have on Mikey Winfield. Here's a comedian you need to know. I believe he was on The Office. He had an arc on The Office on the eighth season. That's when everybody stopped watching the show. I think right. Arnie likes him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it. No, he's funny. He's great. He, I, I love watching him on stage. I perform with him, and uh, he's great on stage. We're just going to keep your dog away from him, and we'll be good. Yeah, sorry. All right. All right, Forrest, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks Appreciate for having me. you.